Let's go back to Jeremiah chapter 9 this morning. Back to Jeremiah 9. I don't know if you've ever read all the way through Jeremiah very many times, but that's some hard reading. You know? Besides that, it's a depressing book. Most of that stuff is just depressing. How'd you like to end up down there in the bottom of a pit, sinking down into the mire? How come you got down there? Because I did what God told me. Oh, man. Anyway, Jeremiah 9. 23 and 24, thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me that I am the Lord, which exerciseth loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Last week I proposed that we are spoiled children. And I believe that. I'm absolutely, totally convinced of it. If not on your behalf, I know I am. I mean, all those things that I mentioned last week, absolutely true about me. I know I respond just like a child responds. The more I got, seems like just the more I want. I mean, when have you ever in your life been satisfied completely with everything you got and didn't want more? Just craziness. And the more we get, the more we want. It's weird, but that's just the way it works. You're never satisfied. You never get enough. That's exactly how a spoiled child is. You can't give them enough. Sister Jerry, have you ever given a kid candy and they say, oh, I got enough now to want anymore? Isn't that strange? <laughs> they'll take all you give them, right? And then they'll turn right around and come right on back. <laughs> Gee, what I gave you? Pockets bulging, you know. <laughs> I came back because I just found out I had an empty pocket. <laughs> I can take some more if you want to get rid of it. (laughs) Anyway, verse 23 is about people who have something. And when I say have something, those are some really important things. When God says somebody has wisdom, they're wise, and somebody is mighty, and somebody is rich, he's not kidding. He's not messing around. He's talking about people that actually have something. You know, it's not a matter of, well, I think I'm wise, and well, I'm not as poor as the other guy, you know, things like that. He's actually talking about people that have something. Now, the more a spoiled child gets, the more they want. You know that's so. And the less they appreciate what they already have. Isn't that crazy how we can get fixated on something we don't have and just completely ignore everything we've already got? And the more you want it, the less you think of what you've already got. It becomes an obsession. It's really weird. I know people that have been raised spoiled and they were raised in such a way that everything that was done for them to prove somebody's love was somebody gave them something. You can't fix people like that. I've seen a man, I hope I'm not talking about somebody near like that, but I've seen women with 40 and 50 and 60 pair of shoes. How come? Because anytime they feel insecure, they go out and buy something. Why? Because that's how they got the warm fuzzies before. Their sense of security came from getting their way and getting what they wanted. That's how somebody proved their love to them. Their love wasn't proven by the things that happened to them, the training, the discipline, the control, you know, to try to impart wisdom and try to teach them something. They got their warm fuzzies from getting stuff. And they end up in life just wanting more and more and more. And they end up with stuff they don't ever use. I mean, they wear it one time, put it away, you know. It's just crazy. It's really, really crazy, but that's how they are. Anyway, 
The more they're given, the less they appreciate the giver. Ain't that crazy? Wouldn't you think a spoiled kid getting something from parents or grandparents or something, the more they got, the more they'd appreciate the one that gave it to them? But it works exactly backwards. You appreciate them less. The more they get, the more they feel entitled to. Now that's weird. That's human nature. It's perverse. It's backwards to the way it should be. But that is human nature. And I'm just as guilty as anybody else. You take a kid and the parents start giving them something. Grandparents start giving them something. Friends start giving them something. Next thing you know, I deserve it. If you don't give it to me now, we got a problem. (laughs) You ever seen kids go crazy in the store? Screaming, hollering, carrying on? They became entitled. That's what's wrong with them. My wife's had some spoiled kids around her. They don't stay spoiled long. I just absolutely thoroughly enjoyed it about 15, 20 years ago when she was watching this one kid, and that kid was a terror, a raging terror. Parents couldn't do a thing with her. About 10 minutes, she started doing everything she told her to do, and from then on, every time my wife would come around, the little girl would run up and hug her, just love on her and hug her. Mm-mm. <laughs> Don't make God do that to you. Unfortunately, it doesn't stop. When you get over your childhood, it doesn't quit. You do the same thing. The more we get, the more we want. And the less we appreciate what we have. And the more we're given, the less we appreciate the giver. And the more we get, the more we feel entitled. Now that's us. We're supposed to stop and learn some things from these things. Actually, we're supposed to. So what's this got to do with the glory of God? You'll see. After you get done getting stuff from parents and grandparents, you know what happens as an adult? Your spouse starts doing stuff for you and giving you stuff. The more you get, the more you feel entitled, the less you appreciate the giver, the more you want. The whole thing just keeps on going. You think it stops there? How about employees? Brother Jack, you never had anybody who didn't think you treated them good enough, did you? You know which ones feel that way? The ones you treat the best. Ain't that insane? If he had time, he could tell you stories of the ones that he did the most for, appreciated at the least, and felt entitled and felt like they were mistreated when they didn't get what they wanted. That's a fact. That's just the way it is. I mean, you know that's us. You know that's children, and you know it's us too. If we don't get what we expect to get, we get upset. We feel cheated. We feel like we have been unfairly treated. And we'll go beyond that. We'll even do things to justify getting what we want because we weren't treated right. I guarantee you people steal from Brother Jack just simply because he didn't treat them good enough. Brother Jim, Sister Cheryl, and others here, if you've ever had a business, I guarantee you, you've been vulnerable to that very thing. Okay, well, if he won't pay me what he said he's going to pay me or do what I understood him to say, then he owes me. So I'll just take it. We also show our displeasure, don't we? I mean, you never pouted or sulked around your spouse, did you, when you didn't get what you wanted? (laughs) It doesn't stop with kids. It goes right on to us. 
You know, we go beyond that, we'll even get mad. But it doesn't stop with just people. Unfortunately, those exact same feelings carry right on through with God. He said, well, I never did that. You never been mad at God? Are you kidding me? I remember one time, one horrible time. I mentioned it one other time. You know, it's not one of those things that I like remembering. Moving out here and we got into a flash flood storm out there crossing the California state line. And I was out there and I bent down and pouring rain with sand blowing clear up to my waist and literally cursed God. He said, how could you do that? I said, God, I'm out here. I'm trying to move. I sold my house. I'm trying to get out here and do what you want me to do to go to Bible study to understand this and help in the ministry and get more involved. And here you're treating me like this. How come? Because I felt entitled. I felt like I was being mistreated. Let me tell you something. You ever get feelings like that or you see somebody else that's getting that way toward God, you better know that they are spoiled. And you qualify under all those things that I just read about appreciating nothing and wanting more. When you find yourself in that situation, you can't possibly be thankful for anything you get. Now, if God knows how to give good gifts, it ain't no wonder he doesn't give you anything else. Would you give your kid that if you really were smart as God? Would you spoil your children if you were as smart as God? Would you spoil your children if you loved your children as much as God loves you? Probably not. How come? Because you're not long-suffering. You want to feel good too. Don't you? You know, a lot of times parents do so much for their kids because they feel good about doing it. They enjoy watching the kid. They don't have any thought about what it does to the kid. You know who the worst ones are, don't you? It's the grandparents. <laughs> anyway, you say, well, I don't get mad at God. Well, have you ever been upset with God? Did you ever get upset with God? Oh, well, I wouldn't really call it upset, you know. That doesn't qualify you either? Have you ever gotten frustrated with God? You remember what I've said over and over, one of the most frustrating things in my Christian life is to know what God could do and watch Him not do it? How can I feel frustrated at watching God not do something? Well, I'm spoiled. My frustrations are because I feel entitled. I feel mistreated. I get to feeling that God has treated me unfairly. That's how I feel those feelings. That's why we all feel those feelings. When you don't get your prayers answered and you start having an attitude toward God, it's because you're spoiled rotten. You know, we had a perfect example of that this last week in a very short description about the people in Garbage City. They don't feel worthy for us to pray for them. How come? They aren't spoiled like we are. To whomsoever much is given, much will be required. What is that? That's a warning. To who? The people in Garbage City? Yeah, maybe a tiny bit, but a whole lot more to us. So what's this all about? This is all about starting to understand us and trying to understand more about God. That's what it's about. Okay, enough already. Let's get back to Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. He said, can't you do anything except beat us up? 
I hit myself first. I got myself several licks this morning before I ever even got to church. Back to 9, 23 and 24. Now look, God's telling us something here. Let's try to understand what he's telling us. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. What's the message here? You think it's just stop glorying in God's gifts? You know what the new terminology for that is? It's called bragging rights. You may not even say it out loud, but in your heart, you have a tendency to feel good about what you've got and brag about what you've got, kind of boast a little bit and how you feel you've achieved all these things. You do it inside. You say, I put in this many hours at work. Well, I did this for my boss. Well, I did this for my wife. It's bragging rights. You know what he says? If you have tendency to feel those things and boast, cut it out. Is that the message, though? Is it to start glorying in your knowledge and understanding of Him? Is that the message? Is that all there is? No, that's not all there is to it. There's a lot more here. Stop thinking of yourself. Start thinking about God and what He does and why. This is about him, not you. Don't you see that? He says, you got all this stuff, fine. You're wise, you're rich, you're mighty, fine. Cut it out, quit thinking about that stuff. What should you think about then? If you're going to glory in anything, glory in the fact that you know and understand him. And then he goes on to explain a little bit more. What's he explaining the rest of that for about the things he delights in? to try to give you a little bit of a clue. He's trying to give you a little bit of a clue to what he's trying to tell you here, and he wants you to come up with the idea on your own. What idea? He wants you to understand him more. He wants you to quit thinking about yourself and start thinking about him. Lord, why do you do that? Why did you tell us that? I'm trying to get your attention off of yourself. If he can get your attention off of yourself and get it on him, then he benefits greatly for creating you. As long as you're a spoiled child running around, you know, just getting what you want and wanting more and more and more, you lose your gratitude, you feel entitled, you know. If you don't get your way, you start pouting, you get frustrated, you get mad. Where's his benefit? (laughs) Not at all. I mean, if God could be embarrassed, we'd be embarrassing him. You know that? You realize that some kids are good kids, some kids are bad kids, right? I mean, I've seen that in houses where one kid's like the perfect kid and another kid's a terror, you know? (laughs) My mind goes back to Moses, you know, he's a proper child. (laughs) I don't know if that's the way he was, but it sure seems that way to me. And that one kid embarrassed the parent, right? How are you going to like standing beside one of those Christians from Garbage City right next to him when God's looking at both of you? He's going to look over and smile at the one from Garbage City and say, you're just like Lazarus. You've received evil during your life, and now it's time for you to get the good stuff. And you go, what about me? God says, you embarrass me. (laughs) How come? 
they appreciated one bottle of water more than you appreciated the house and the air conditioning I gave you. That's right. That's absolutely true. Why? Because we're spoiled. Us, we, youans and means, we're spoiled. If we understood more about God and we had more knowledge of God, we'd see that more clearly than we see it. We wouldn't have to stumble through this stuff and say, oh, that's kind of interesting, and then go on. <laughs> We'd actually start looking at it and thinking beyond ourselves. Look over at Psalm 37.4 real quick. Neat verse. I've quoted this verse lots of times. You know, this is like one of those, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Hurry up, God, give me peace. I'm miserable. I'm dying out here, God. I need peace. Where's that peace that you promised me to pass all understanding? You didn't even get close to qualifying for the first half of it. Look at this verse over here. Delight thyself also in the Lord. He shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Do you remember what delight was? This didn't apply to God. Now this applies to you. To affect with great pleasure. To please highly. To give or afford high satisfaction or joy. To receive great pleasure in. To greatly rejoice. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. And what do you read into that when you read that? Well, God, I delight myself in you, God. I go to church on Sunday. I give my tithes. I witness. I pray. I sing. I read my Bible. I'm nice to other Christians. That's not delighting yourself in the Lord. Don't you get it? If Brother Jack had one employee that delighted himself in Brother Jack, he'd be the one and only employee in the whole company that did that. I mean, he may have some really good employees and really hard workers and really profitable people that put forth every effort all day long and actually earn their paycheck. But that ain't delighting themselves in him. That's just about the work. You see how far off we are from this stuff? He says, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. When it becomes about him and not you, you both get what you wanted. Have you ever gotten the desires of your heart when it came to God? It's because you weren't delighting yourself in him. You understand how this works, don't you? I mean, when you begin to delight yourself in your father... He's going to show you more and more and more about himself. Why? Because you're delighting yourself in him. The pleasure is to know and understand him more. That's what it's about. If you want to know more about God, he's more than willing to show you. More than willing. <laughs> All you got to do is bring forth a desire to the table and he'll start fulfilling your desires. If it's about us, we misunderstand Delight. We think delight myself in the Lord so that I can get more. That's exactly what we think. We go to a verse like there and it's a, well, there it is. God wants me rich. God don't want me to hurt. God wants all of the, there's how to get it right there. And then we put all of our effort into the work. It's crazy. When was the last time you actually experienced being delighted in God. You say, well, man, I get goosebumps. I get tears in my eyes. I get, mm-hmm. 
And you know what he'll give you? When you get like that, he'll give you more of it. You know why? Because it's about him, not you. The problem is, as soon as that's over, you feel, wow, I like that. I want more of that. For who? For him? No, for you. (laughs) You want to know why you can't get God to show up and have fellowship with you most of the time? Because it's not about him. It's about how you feel. God, I want to feel that again. I like your presence. That is great stuff. I just love having this joy and walking around seeing and and that feeling I get. It's not about the feeling. It's about glory to God. Those songs and hymns and spiritual songs and making melodies in your heart, that's for Him, of Him, to Him, about Him. When you're feeling those feelings toward Him, He gives you the desires of your heart. When you try to get those feelings back from him, all of a sudden it's about you and not him anymore. And he knows how to give good gifts to his children. Let's look at Mark. Mark 4, verse 35. This is where God's showing you some stuff about himself. And the same day when even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there was also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat unto the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and it was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and seas obey him? Now, you read that stuff. Aren't you impressed with the fact that he can command the winds and the seas? You think that's a message? Think about it. You think that's the message? I mean, if God wanted to really impress you with some stuff, don't you think he can impress you with some stuff? When he gets all done with it, what are you supposed to end up with? Man, I'm afraid of him. The wind and sea obey him. Oh, my goodness. You think that's the way it's supposed to end up? The ones right there in his presence that he did this for to show them something missed a whole thing. You think that's why I did it? I'm going to scare you guys. First, I'm going to rebuke you. Then I'm going to scare you. You deserve it. I missed the whole message. What's the message about? My God can command the wind and seas. Oh, come on. We all know he can do that. Is anything too hard for God? So why are you so oppressed with that? There's more to this message. There's something else going on here. Is it just he can control the wind or that you lack faith or don't be afraid? Or if you can get his attention, then he'll provide for you. I mean, didn't he provide when they got his attention? Went and woke him up. Hey, man, we're dying out here. <laughs> the message is in verse 40. And he said to them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? He was not asking them that question so they'd answer him. He already knows the answer. Why was he asking them? He was asking them to get them to think about themselves. Why are you so fearful? Why don't you have any faith? Think about it. That's why he was asking them. 
He was wanting them to start thinking about these things and get beyond themselves. What were they thinking about? They were thinking about themselves only. <laughs> Master, carest thou not that we perish? Now I get the picture of this boat, you know, it's kind of an open boat. He's laying there in the back. The wind beats all his water up on the side of it. The ship starts to sink in the middle. And out here on the end, toward the back end of the ship, it's still kind of dry and he's back there sleeping. And they're all in there. Bail, 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 bail. Oh, man, bail. Somebody better wake him up. We ain't got time. Bail, bail, bail. Work harder. That's a problem. Work harder, faster, faster. Work harder. I can't swim. I'm going to tell him. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of stuff that's going on. Man, these guys were traumatized. They get back there in the back and they say, oh, we're dying. <laughs> Lord says, why are you so fearful? Why don't you have any faith? And while you think on that, We'll close in prayer and next week we'll cover some of these points of what he's actually trying to tell them.